Bible says the message of the cross is foolishness. 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 Foolishness to those that are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Well, guys, what is going on? This is Brian Sumner. Welcome to the Foolishness Podcast. I know it has been some time. There's been so much going on and a lot of travel for me. Praise God. That's the most important thing, getting before lives and souls and proclaiming his truth and taking care of my wife's mother, sadly, who's still going through with ALS and the chaos of this world. That's an evidence of the fallen nature of this world. But I just want to say, you know, be praying for her. Thank you guys for the prayer and support as we jump into these podcasts, all the travel I do, all the things like this, putting the time in the sermons and prep is because of people like yourself and your prayers, believing and trusting. And today what we're doing is we're kind of going backwards, but going forwards, because if you've listened the last few episodes, I was at a conference out on the East Coast. I shared three or four times, and we also did a time of questions and answers, and there were so many. So while on the stage, I said to Pastor Austin, hey, get the questions, send me them over, I'll answer them. And when I was going to set this up, I thought, why wouldn't he just come on the show? For one, he's a young man, he's a pastor, he's raised in a godly home. His dad pastors a big church out there. They're over a lot of different ministries. So there's all that pedigree to say, why wouldn't he jump on? Give me those questions and we can just converse and talk and see what God's doing in his life anyway. So for what's going on in the world, the chaos, the craziness, Jesus is still beautiful and God still ministers. And today we're going to have a conversation about him. I'm sure some humor and this guy's working on our roof. I just said to Pastor Austin a minute ago, you know, the pugs are passed out and they snore pretty loud. And I'm sure the cats are going to come out and meow. So forgive us. But what's going on, brother? How you doing? Brian, doing good, my man. Thanks for having me on. You know, the young adults here, uh, they still talk about you. They miss you. And uh, they're asking you, when are we going to have you back? And uh <laughs> We'll have to maybe pencil something in in the near future and get you back here, bro, and continue our discussion. But I'm glad we're doing this today because uh, I'm looking forward to it just to have a, have a fun time and have a good conversation with you about some fun Bible stuff. But do they say do they say church or church? Uh, we're, we're church all the okay. way. Okay, so you got to push this. So I got to come back and help them with that. Okay. Yeah, yeah you and an emphasis on the ch, the church. Okay, <laughs> and I and I got to say. So have you started jujitsu yet? <laughs> Brian, you know, man, uh, no, I haven't. You know, I'm, I'm trying to think of a good way to get around it and say, you know, I've been on vacation, um, been doing a lot of ministry, you know, ministry's booming. That's Don't a good have- reason. That's a more important reason. But Brian, I have all the time in the world for it. And I'm mm-hmm. afraid. I'm afraid mm-hmm. to get my legs broken. I only say that because when I was out there, literally when we met and we talked and you were like, I always wanted to try that. And then I literally showed you some moves in the parking lot. And I think all of security, I mean, maybe not let your dad hear this if he's the lead pastor, but security kind of watched from afar while I had you in a headlock and was showing you how to escape. So so maybe I need to come back and teach the security some stuff. Um, No, but I'm only saying that for the fun of it and all the rest. But I will say, guys, when I flew out there, the amazing thing about travel is you often land in places where you've never met the person, the people been to the church and like going into your church, I'm picked up by you. It's all set up online. We connect through email and then you hang out for three or four days. And yes, we're able to goof off and make fun and get to know everyone in the community, eat and gather and pray. 
but it's also this intentional ministry where I had friends who came in from out of town that yeah. got to be part of the church, sit in the sessions here. And just that is a witness to who God is. And then now here we are, you know, really hanging out for the second time, right, but right. you become that close through the work of God. So I say yeah. all that to kind of show how God establishes brothers or sisters or whoever in the faith. But yeah. so what are you doing there? Your role, the office, all that God's had, because you're what? 28, 29, yeah. wife, two kids. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, 28. Uh, been married. It'll be seven years um, in October and have mm. two little girls. And so my family's growing. The ministry is growing. And it's all really a testament to the goodness mm. of God. You know, when I first started in ministry, it was a little bit intimidating. Um, like, Lord, I don't... I, I'm not a good speaker. I'm not very eloquent. Um, (laughs) Lord, how, you know, how can you use me? And the Lord just, he constantly just whispers Mm. to my heart, Austin, you know, you're in ministry um, because you couldn't do anything else. Honestly, I don't have like a great skill, (laughs) but he's like, I'm going to put you in ministry. And if you're just obedient to me and if you're faithful to me, I'm going to build the church. And um, Mm. it's, it's old Testament unless the builders build in vain. Mm. Uh, Yeah. So it really has been, um, just me being able to watch the Lord do a great work in our young adults ministry. Mm. Um, so I've been overseeing our young adults ministry for almost three years now. Mm. And, um, and it, it went from maybe 70, 80 people. It's now two, 300 young adults. Mm. It's, um, it's all glory to the Lord. He's been faithful to do the work um, mm. as I've just been trying to be tentative to hear from him and uh, teach the word. Um, so it's so you're we, saying that, being the most eloquent and well-spoken, which apparently the Apostle Paul wasn't, even though he had a PhD in every kind of theological study, right. you know, Hebrew, Hebrews, tribe of Benjamin, he wasn't well-spoken. We know there's nothing impressive yeah. about him when he showed up. Yeah. And I love what Leonard Ravenhill said about him is he was probably beaten up from the times he'd been attacked. There was right. nothing impressive about him. He yeah. wouldn't have been invited to your conferences, you know, in our big events yeah. and, and the right. first guy you put on the stage on TV, yeah. but it's about the power of God, not the man. So, and obviously to me coming out there, you were very together, the church. I need to probably message your dad and say, I was really impressed with, you know, you and, and the ministry and the focus. And and we don't talk about numbers to say, look what we did, but we say, hey, God does build, God does pour out, God does entrust. Because I came away from that yeah. weekend really tired because I missed, I didn't miss the flights, but you know, remember what happened with the planes? Yeah, and yeah. it took me five flights to get out there because- yeah. I won't even say the airline, I don't throw salt, but it was everywhere. And preaching what three or four times, but coming back, I said, man, uh, this church community completely encouraged me. You can hear it in the sermons, hanging yeah. out in the foyers, even you guys saying you've listened to the podcast, which yeah. means that people are hungry to hear and to dig in. It wasn't just go to church to find a spouse or because yeah. my parents took me, everyone seemed to have their own faith. There was yeah. people that confessed. And I look at that like that's a biblical church. So yeah. amen for all of that, you know? So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. yeah, I think especially in the times we we see ourselves now, people are hungry and people are hungry for truth. Amen. And they might not necessarily know what that is like, but, but they're seeking and they're hungry. And mm. so we as a church, we want to be, we want to really just hit the word, focus on the word, you know, mm. live this up and allow Jesus to draw all men unto himself. So mm. that's kind of our mission. Like we lift Jesus up, we lift up the word and we just trust that the Lord through his Holy spirit is going to draw people to himself. Mm. And so, yeah, Monday nights we meet and I teach the word and the Lord does his work through the Holy spirit and having you out to the conference 
and seeing the excitement there. And as you just taught the word, I loved how you started with the Ten Commandments. Then you talked about you know gospel. For, you know, first session was very evangelistic. Second session, Ten Commandments. Third session, Holy Spirit. I mean, mm. amazing. And to see just the response from that uh, was awesome. Well, that's important. You say that because a lot of times we take that almost false teaching, you know, too much word, you dry up. I get the idea. We've got to remember the Holy Spirit was there in the Old yeah. Testament speaking. Yeah. We're told that in the end of the book of Acts. So when Pastor yeah. Austin says, hey, it was very evangelistic, then the Ten Commandments, it doesn't mean we sit there in our rigidness and just only read. But that yeah. is what ministers. You could go to church and only read the word of God, but God gives pastors and teachers to unpack to yeah. relate part to their life, to talk about what's happening in culture. There is a reason Jesus, Paul, men and women use these references. We say all that to say, and I was encouraged. We got to speak into people. Amen. I came home and then I was refreshed, just looking back like it's been great. So, yeah. I mean, these questions today, I've kind of scanned over them and put some notes, pretty crazy. But yeah. I've also asked Pastor Austin that as we go in, if there's things we say, we keel off somewhere, if he jumps in, I mean, it's just a conversation. And again, the heart of the Foolishness podcast is that people would be driving across country or working or just putting it on a bike ride or whatever, and they're just hearing people talk about Jesus. So yeah. we touched on a lot of good stuff at the conference, but this was basically the leftover. And this wasn't even all of it, Brian, but okay. we had a lot of questions in front of us that I thought we could just kind of continue the conversation from the Q&A. And yep. hey, bro, do you want to just start with the fun stuff? You want to yeah, just go wherever. Yeah. Well, let's, we've got, you know, I've tried to categorize them, but let's just go with the fun stuff. Let's talk about aliens, Nephilim. Let's just jump right into it. Okay. So, very first question. If aliens did exist, yeah. That contradict the whole Bible and the Christian faith. So, guys, just just think about this question. You know, these questions come up everywhere I go. Aliens, 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 aliens. So, would they um, contradict it? No, because all alien is is something that's from some other dimension or some other place that we don't understand. And when we go back, scripture. I mean, I put some things down here because even if we just let's just go full alien. Let's just yeah. go full on ancient aliens approach. The idea is that for thousands of years, these entities that we can sometimes see, but sometimes can't see are invading our history, showing up back in the day, helping with the architecture, giving new technology and um, attacking people apparently in their sleep, trying to impregnate them, having messages for humanity, trying to redirect everyone. I mean, if I was to say to you, is the any book on the planet the kind of talks about those things happening. I mean, that's the Bible. Yeah. The Bible talks about from times past, these other entities and beings have been speaking into man. The difference is on ancient aliens, they're going to say, every time you see this in history, be it Christian, you know, Judaism, and be it through Muslims, all of them are wrong. You know, Elijah's day, the Old Testament, the prophets, the angel of the Lord, that's just aliens. But all the term angel really means, you know, angelos in the Greek or malak in the Hebrew is a messenger. So right. a sent one. So we've got to start by saying, are messengers real? Yes. But does the term alien, the way it's presented, mean what it means? No, I don't think so. For one, having a relationship with Jesus Christ, he opens your eyes so you know the Bible is true. And for two, taking that idea, what that would mean is just everyone throughout history 
has been ministered to by these entities in some way as far as you've seen people groups, you've seen these interactions. And what I would say by that is, and I'll read a few verses just to get things going, but Hebrews 13, 2, we use this a lot. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. So we encounter these angels. I mean, there's guys working on my house right now. Could they be angels? Could I see an angel somewhere? But we don't see them as they are. They show up like us. Yet other times in scripture, we have these cherubim, we have these seraphim, we have these winged beings, we have all these things. But the point is, aliens to me are fallen angels that have yeah. left their first abode that since Genesis, when really the first alien, which is an angel, Satan, who yeah. he is, the light bearer in his sense, he thinks he's illuminating minds and opening up hearts and he's ministering this, this false gospel. He's been ministering all along into human culture and society for thousands of years. So no, aliens are not extraterrestrial. They're extra dimensional. So yeah. I would say they're out there, but it's demonic. So yeah. what people I feel like have to uh, you know always keep in mind is that the our current reality, what you see is not all that is there. And that's what's clear mm -hmm. in scripture is what Paul says is we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities of darkness of mm -hmm. the spiritual authorities of the air. And so this realm um, where, you know, it's it's very material. You, you see, yeah. you look, you feel. Um, the Bible is clear that there's a spiritual realm and that the spiritual mm -hmm. realm in some sense, it's, it's even more real than, mm -hmm. than what you see today. And so, um, yeah, like you mentioned <laughs> at, on, at the, out, at the, on the outset is alien will just mean something foreign, something that we're not, you know, privy doesn't to. Doesn't belong here. Yeah. Doesn't belong here. And so when Paul, Paul says that we wrestle against a spiritual, spiritual forces of darkness, and he mm -hmm. mentions that there's a spiritual realm. Um, you know, anything that then enters into our realm from the spiritual realm, you know, mm -hmm. we, from our finite perception as, oh my goodness, this, this is an alien or this must be some kind of mm -hmm. outside force. Well, yes. I mean, it's, it's from the spiritual realm. So we totally agree. Fallen angels, um, a lot of weird stuff going on with, I thought, I thought June was supposed to be the month where things got kind of exposed. But, but we don't know. And here's the thing. You might be hearing this and saying, well, Pastor Austin is, stay, is saying that aliens are bad and all this. Don't they bring a good message and it's positive for humanity? Well, the good message is that we're all dead in sin, need forgiveness. So anything that brings a message contrary to that comes from the father of lies. And you might say, well, you're small minded. What I mean is you see throughout the Old and the New Testament, I mean, Judges 13, 6, the woman came and told her husband, a man of God came to me and his appearance was like the appearance of the angel of God. They understood that when the angel of the Lord showed up, he looked different. There was something about him. This angel showed up before this woman. Even in the New Testament, Matthew 28, 2, there was a violent earthquake. This is at Jesus's tomb. And an angel of the Lord came down from heaven. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. You see these beings showing up. You see them looking different. But the point is, angels, messengers sent by God are ministering to us on behalf of God to help us understand his plan, 
but the fallen and the demonic going back to Genesis, the serpent in the garden, the Satan, Jesus calls him that serpent of old. We see in revelation, we hear him as the father of lies. He has been ministering lies. What does that mean to those who aren't believers? All false religions, all deception, all other ideas and practices and idolatry comes from him to steer us away from God. Even when you hear of cherubim and seraphim, think about this. This cherubim that we hear about in the Garden of Eden, east of Eden, is this huge being, this angel that is wailing this flaming torch, guarding or getting back to God. That's one kind. Then you have this seraphim in Isaiah 6, talks about in King Josiah's day when he died, these angels have six different wings covering their face, on their back, on their feet. If you look in ancient architecture and ancient culture, ancient carvings and writings, they're yeah. everywhere. These beings right. are in tombs or wings. I mean, people even say that to do with the pyramids and ancient Egypt. They knew what these beings were, but for us, it's all taken out. So when you look at scripture, you see angels showing up. I mean, to Zacharias, to Mary, to Joseph, we see Michael, Gabriel, these entities are real. But I would just say to you, Austin, even as we're speaking, if I was Satan, if I was out to deceive the world, what one way would I try and do it in this day and age? What would be the greatest way to deceive all of man? By what? Introducing aliens. Exactly. You introduced aliens, it hits your yeah. news right now, it interrupts this podcast. What are the world going to think? Well, they're not biblical. Obviously, we're planted here from some kind of seed, some primordial soup. We don't really matter. Oh, Jesus is probably an alien and yeah. blah, 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 all these things. That's probably going to be a way, if I was Satan, that's how I'd try and deceive the world. And you've heard that before, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, I think, I think that Satan absolutely would use aliens as a distraction because, you know, when, when the church is taken, the world will have an explanation for why people suddenly disappeared from the face of the earth mm -hmm. if aliens become start to become normalized if the idea and the concept of foreign entities mm. becomes uh normal and a part of the culture and just a common idea in society then sure when the church is raptured the world will have justification the world will have an excuse mm -hmm. or a reason for why people just suddenly just disappeared off the face of the earth yeah and so satan is going to do anything he can to manipulate people and to distract people to blind their eyes further so that they mm -hmm. won't see the truth of scripture and so that people won't read their bibles and see mm -hmm. that it's actually talked about in first thessalonians 4 the rapture of the church so yeah paul's gonna or satan rather is gonna use anything he can any means of distraction mm -hmm. to um yeah further manipulate our minds and society to believe um that yeah the the reason that people were taken from the earth stems back to aliens. And so, um, I mean, it's, it's scary slash exciting that all the talk of aliens is, is come about, but I think we just need to use it to, as a window and a doorway to just talk about Jesus and present the gospel mm. and talk about the, the spiritual realm. I mean, that's a, that's a topic that the church doesn't honestly hit on too much. The spiritual yeah. realm, um, spiritual forces of evil, the demonic. Yep. Um, but it's, it's, it's super real, super relevant today. <laughs> it's well, it is. And, and think if, if I'm, if I'm aware that God created the earth and all that's in it, and he's focused on us, whereas people, everything to do with, you know, eclipses and the distance we are between this and that, you know, the sun and the moon, the tides, the way it all works. If you want to go science focused, 
And what I would want to do if I was Satan was make you think that you're not the only rock and that we are all part of billions of galaxies. So many things were happenstance and whatsoever. And I would make us think we're just, you know, primordial soup and mush and God doesn't really care about us. So I would absolutely with the fascination of, you know, X-Men, you've got Loki on, you've got the Mandalorian, you've got all these things that we're fascinated by is supernatural powers, the force, all the rest of it. But when someone says aliens, particularly it is interesting to me that in the garden, he's referred to as a serpent. Mm-hmm. It is interesting to me that ancient aliens are going to say little green men, little gray men or reptilians. Why yeah. is he called a serpent? How did he operate before his curse? And I mean, the Satan now in the garden was yeah. told he'd crawl on his belly. Did something change to the way he was set up for trying to deceive them and leading them? And then even the fact that Genesis 6, and I'll and I'll read it. Some of you guys might not realize this about the Bible if you're watching this almost in Mark. But in Genesis 6, 1, it just says, when human beings began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw the daughters. So those God created, but who weren't human, saw the women our sisters, that the daughters of humans were beautiful and they married them any that they chose. And it says in verse four, the Nephilim were on the earth in those days. And afterward, when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children of them. So these beings came down and impregnated women. They gave birth to these Nephilim, this Nephil, these other entities. They were out on the earth and people even believed when they were killed, those giants of old men of renown, that those spirits that came out of those bodies are the demons of today, are the demonic that we don't hear about until that time. So were aliens trying to impregnate people, supposedly? Sounds like this passage. This, this Satan is supposed to be a serpent, and these beings are supposed to be reptilian. It all lines up. It's all to deceive. So that's where I would put it. It doesn't change anything about the Bible, but you don't come to know the Bible is true until God saves you anyway. Well, it's super interesting. Uh, back to Genesis, even um, in Genesis chapter 1, I remember in my, in my studies um, regarding Genesis chapter 3 and the whole Garden of Eden, Satan tempting Eve, mm-hmm. just even in... The, the word serpent and even the word serpent is super interesting. It's a noun, Nahash, that mm-hmm. appears 31 times in the Old Testament. And there's a connection between Nahash, meaning serpent, to Nehosheth, and it means bronze. Mm-hmm. But the uh, root of that actually means to practice sorcery and divination. Mm-hmm. So, and it just goes back to spiritual realms, spiritual darkness, sorcery, divination, Satan's MO is to deceive, mm-hmm. deceive the nations, which he's going to do again. Um, as an angel as, of light. Yeah. As an angel of light. Um, yeah. So, um, even so he's going to come the, to you in a positive, offer you great right. things and another yeah. way than God's way. Yeah. Yeah. Hollywood loves to paint Satan as this, you know, scary type, horn kind of creature which in his darkness obviously he is grotesque but man mm. satan's gonna come to you with the pleasures of life the pleasures of the world gonna present himself to you as an angel of light and as mm-hmm. you already mentioned different religions um you know mormonism um islam all started with angels coming to their prophets mm-hmm. and um, giving them um specific messages masquerading as angels of light presenting mm-hmm. themselves to be pleasant 
He's active and intentional across the earth. He's doing, and and even guys, I'll just quote like a couple random verses. Psalm 106, 37, they sacrifice their sons and their daughters unto devils. That's Shadim. Uh, Psalm 82, 1. God has taken his place in the divine council in the midst of the gods. That's the other gods he created, the Elohim, not like God, but below. And then even as Pastor Austin was saying, it says in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, Satan does masquerade as an angel of light. His goal is that even his servants, the fallen ones, also would masquerade themselves as servants of righteousness. So false prophets, false teachers, all these different ideas, um, Hebrews 1.14, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to save those who will inherit salvation? So angels are here to help us and be sent by God, but the demonic, the fallen, minister on behalf of Satan, every false religion, every deception, sorcery, divination, all the rest we've talked about prior, that comes from the father of lies. So while we're on the subject of angels, um, I'm going to ask you another question that came in from our young adult community. Yeah. Um, and then ask, why do we need angels if God is all powerful and constantly present everywhere? So they're kind of questioning, like, what's mm-hmm. what's the purpose of angels? If if God can do anything he wants, why does he need angels? And they go on. God doesn't need messengers. He yeah. could have just directly told Mary about Jesus. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand their purpose. So what would you say about that? So you've got to ask, you know, in the garden, um, why did God put that cherubim there to separate us from, for one, eating this tree of life of eternity so we would never die because that would be sinful. Now we're dead in sin. We have a sin nature. It'd be wrong to live forever in the state. And then you would think too, and what is the idea here with this angel keeping us from God's presence? Well, the Bible says no one can see God and live. So if God's presence showed up in this room right now to both of us, we would drop down dead, his Shekinah glory. We see in the Old Testament, God appeared once a year behind the veil. We see that they were led by God's presence and a pillar of what? Fire, a cloud. They followed, but they never got to look upon him. And we even see Moses was hidden in the cleft of a rock by God's hand. So he couldn't see God's glory. Whatever that means is the Old Testament says no one can see God and live. So anyone that God appeared to, they would drop dead. Now we get to the New Testament. In the beginning was the word, which is Jesus. But the Bible also says of him, we beheld his glory. We saw him. He's the fullness of the glory of God. So God chose to speak for thousands of years. Whether you want to go from Enoch all the way through to the start of the New Testament, through people, angels, ministering, speaking, prophesying, all the rest. Then Jesus shows up. He's the fullness of the glory of God. And Jesus began to minister. So God used angels, but eventually he did tell us. Eventually he showed up as the savior of the world. It says in John 1, 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. The son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. So God could have done this anyway. But because he's perfect, you are dead in sin. He sent a mediator, which is Jesus. And through him, he ministers. So, yeah, I I would say, you know, just simply to piggyback off of Brian, that um, God doesn't need angels, but he he created angels um, as his spiritual family to Mm -hmm. participate in his plans. 
Amen. I mean, just as I would say, God, God doesn't need us. He doesn't, he doesn't need us humans. Yeah. God is fully sufficient in and of himself in his triune Godhead, but God created, you know, I, I think it was Heiser who said God created his spiritual family and his earthly family mm-hmm. and allows us the privilege of just participating in his beautiful yeah. plan. Um, he didn't so need any of it. Doesn't, yeah, doesn't need any of it. Uh, is completely glorified in and of himself is fully sufficient, but he mm-hmm. created us and he created angels just to participate in his plan. And so I'm glad he did. Um, <laughs> well, I'm Old Testament, I'm... you dropped down dead. Have you seen him? <laughs> New Testament, he's wrapped in the flesh. Jesus went yeah. behind the veil himself as our sacrifice, high priest. Now we have access. So now we can freely hear from God as the Holy Spirit comes in and convicts. And, and here's the right. thing. Austin didn't hear this word through an angel. He heard it through God himself when he heard the message of the cross and the Holy Spirit, who is God, the third person, right. the Trinity, yeah. convicted him, said, repent. He came to faith. So God still does that, but he sent out his ministering angels and now us in unison with God as the gospel goes forth. So, yeah, amen. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to keep running through some of these questions yeah. here. Hey, what do you feel about Second Temple literature? This person is asking, is there any use in looking at Second Temple literature that is not considered canon by most mm-hmm. Protestant I would say yes, as far as to know and understand things. Like when you read things about, say, uh, a pool in the Bible where people were healed, were they really healed in that pool? Well, no. But we read the literature and we hear what they thought about that pool. Or we read about certain towns and aqueducts that line up with being lukewarm or not in the book of Revelation. It's kind of like people today, you know, and you've had many Catholic brothers and sisters. I just rub this charm of St. Anthony and you're going to find whatever it is. Well, that's not true, but that's what they believed. But as far as reading anything as canon of scripture, when I first came to faith, a lot of my unbelieving friends gave me the gospel of Thomas, gospel of Mary, gospel of this, gospel of that. I read them all. I rejected them all. I came to know the Lord in that process. The 66 books of the Bible to me are canon. That's God's word. So I would only read anything else to get more background. Even for you, I'm sure when you're studying, you're prepping and your commentary, it's going to quote something from second temple literature, intertestament literature, use it, but it's got nothing to do with God's word, but people still live through that time. So am I looking to the book of Enoch? No, but I'll read it. But yeah. it's not going to be what yeah. I put on and I get ministered to from. And I'm not looking as my brothers and sisters in the faith that will live in this out, even though they reference it. You know, don't get me wrong. I, I know what Jude says. So um, read it for study for the sake of. I'm sure you're going to say something about when you read it and when you what you look to, you know. So, sure. yeah, I would say um, to the person asking the question, ask yourself, is this supplemental or does this contradict? Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's supplemental, yeah, like Brian said, read it um, and it's useful. It's helpful, good resource, especially in in putting yourself in in the shoes of what they were reading. Yeah. Um, but um, if it in if anything in any way extra biblical books, if it contradicts, then just stay away from it. Yeah, um, it's going to be helpful, um, and it's not going to be um, it's not going to be helpful for your spiritual walk with mm-hmm. the Lord. So, does something supplement? Um, supplement then yeah you know read it if something contradicts then just stay away from it Amen. Um, hey let's talk a little bit about relationships here yeah 
And you've written some, you know, you've written a marriage book. So you're the, you're the go-to guy. Okay. And I'm still um, married I, 21 years. <laughs> amen. Praise the Lord. Um, Brian, how do you know when you're ready for a committed relationship in God's timing? How do you know that you're not just hearing what you want to hear, or if mm. it's actually God saying that you're ready, this is the right person? I would say, are you ready to just walk with Jesus? Hopefully you are because you're a believer. So, okay, Lord, in that walk, as I try and follow you, serve you, reach the lost, who are you going to put in front of my life? And as you are aiming to live for Jesus, you should come alongside someone who is like you, who is equally yoked, that understands their role, comes alongside you, and it just makes sense. Sadly, a lot of people looking for spouses are just sitting back in you know college age group or on their second marriage or just thinking bring me someone, but God's saying, what about where you are? You know what I mean? Like I just literally went before we were even talking today, this popped up on my phone. It's funny. Um, and I took a photo of it and it's just, you know, you probably can't see it too well, but it's Jesus on the phone. And he just mm -hmm. is getting a phone call saying, when are you going to send me a godly woman? And Jesus responds back, well, when are you going to start being a godly man? So what oh, I would man. say is if you're going into it premature, which you kind of probably are going to, God will honor you because you're going to work it out to show you some things, but don't get unequally yoked. Really try and hear the Lord. And what I'd say is this, I was divorced, hated life, came to faith. Thank you, Jesus. But I didn't want to get remarried. I didn't want to put a ring on it. I didn't want to go support this person's life. We'd been through chaos. I dreaded the idea of having kids. And while going to share one day, and I mean newly faith, Brian's a skater, going with Christian Soy to a little skate park to talk about Jesus. He's like, when are you going to marry Tracy? And he's like, you're trusting God in all these other areas, but what about this one? And that was the area I wasn't willing to lay everything down. And I literally was in the car coming back saying, you know what, Lord, I'll read all day. I'll get into the Greek all day. I want to go talk about you. I want to put Jesus's, you know, something referencing my faith on a skateboard. But will I really marry this woman? Am I willing to really trust you? Because we were still living together. We'd been divorced. And we were still probably in physical because, you know, will God views us as married? But would I legally do it? Was I really going there? And we were literally, we got a marriage license and I was at the front of our house. I mean, 50 feet away from here, 20 something years ago, or probably like 18 now. I literally said, God, if you want us to get married, have my wife tell me right now. And she came out of the house. I was about to go to a pastor's house who had like a rented apartment in some backyard and just some part of town. Wasn't this big done up thing, wasn't nothing. And she literally just said right then, we need to get married now. And she never talks like that. You want to get married in some guy's backyard with a bunch of friends sitting around probably eating like chips and salsa. Okay. Yeah. I was quiet the whole night. Why are you quiet? Pastor, can you do the ceremony right now? Boom. So we got married and the second I stepped out in faith, the second I trusted, the second I did it God's way, I looked at her with a whole new love. I wanted to have kids. I wanted to support and provide. But prior to that moment, till I stepped out, I was afraid and scared. I'm saying that to say, go into marriage full of faith, trusting. Mm -hmm. But some of you want to be with someone just because you're lonely. Some of you want to be with someone because you think they're attractive or hot or whatever. You know, I'm making fun with those with those fingers while for those who can't see on YouTube. But if it was me and I was 18, 
I would pick up my Bible. I'd be doing whatever I'm called to do for him. And I would see who am I going to run into along the way? Because over everything, you want a spouse that wants to get in the word, wants to be involved in community, wants to live. Because as you get older, things fade, things droop. I said in the last time we did this, your hair falls out, your teeth falls out. But when a person has the Holy Spirit and the power of God in them, if you love Jesus, that's going to be the most attractive thing in them. And I do believe God has one spouse till death, you know, so... I would just say that, but learn to hear him yourself, Lord. Is this the person? And then think, what kind of a person are they? Do they need everyone's attention? Is she someone that you won? Does she act like she's God's gift? Yes, she is to you, but God's gift to the world. Like, you know, humility. And likewise for you, men are getting crazier nowadays. They need women to be begging them to marry them and stuff. I'm like, hear the Lord. So. Um, Brian, is it possible to be affectionate or flirt and still be God honoring? Is it possible? This is for a, uh, this is a question from an, I'm assuming a guy that is unmarried. Obviously, mm-hmm. if you're married, you know, flirt with mm-hmm. your wife, be affectionate with your wife Amen. and her own. But yeah. is it possible within just the dating realm, not married, um, not tied to anyone? Is it possible to, to flirt? And uh, to be affectionate, but still be God honoring. Like, what would you say to all that? Well, like what you said that, you know, I'm guessing this person's not married because if you are married, you need to keep flirting, need to keep pursuing. I mean, even if you're texting each other funny things, sending each other things, I mean, stare each other up. The world is crazy. And you've been given this one person to walk with and flirt with and romance with and be physical with. Let's get real. I mean, that's the Bible. So... The danger is if you want to flirt with people, let's say we're just single guys, you and me are brothers, we go to work, we're not married yet. How many girls did we flirt with today? Was the girl on the bus pretty? Was the lady at the office attractive? Was this person really good in conversation? Am I now flirting with all of them? So once I marry the girl on the bus, I treat the other girls different or has this become my character? I have friends who literally... My friend's wife, I just remember her saying, man, I went to the gym today and it was like 10, 11, 12 guys checking me out. And I'm thinking, why are you noticing? I'm thinking, what are you wearing to get that attention? We're meant to imitate Christ. So I don't ever see Jesus wanting to flirt with anyone. Obviously, he he wasn't married when he was this side of eternity, where the bride of Christ. But I'm saying this to say the danger is you create in you a way to get attention, a way to get affection, the way you might present yourself or or present more of yourself rather than I'm just going to focus on the Lord. Yes, look the part as far as you feel like, feels like you, you know, with humility and modesty and the rest. And, I, and I'm going to preach that because the world's getting crazy. I mean, in the midst yeah. of COVID, you have to wear masks everywhere, but you have singers and rock stars, four women making out, dancing around a pole with no clothes on, on like the Grammys or something. What is the world coming to? But I would not go near a woman that was flirting with all my friends and then said she wanted to be married to me because when the marriage gets a bit stale, who's she flirting with? Right. And then when you see a waiter, how does your tone go? When you go through Starbucks, how well do you know that person? I just don't think it's godly and I just don't see anything about representing Christ in that. So sadly, I've seen a lot of friends who even when we I remember buying a home one time and the woman was one way. And then as soon as like the husband wasn't there and my wife wasn't there, she was totally flirtatious. I've had friends who not even were pursuing me, but just when their husband wasn't around, the way they would act, 
was mm-hmm. way different where they just needed attention. So I would say don't flirt. But when my son began to court his now wife, I'm sure he was, you know, going after her and pursuing her and even thinking things and all the rest of it. But there has to be a yes, I'm pursuing this person. They're becoming the object of my affection. She's pretty, she's attractive. So that's real. But to go do that with everyone, I don't think that's good. I think it's going to have a weak character. And you know what's sad is you're going to imply things that you don't really mean, or if you do mean them, that's not of God. How far is the line between flirting and lusting? If I came to your church and suddenly I was nice to all the women and you go, huh, he doesn't talk to the 80-year-old Usher who like can barely walk the way he talks to so-and-so, brings him donuts. That should say something. Yeah. Yeah. I love just how scripture clearly depicts our relationship with God as a marriage. And um, and within that Amen. covenant, there it's faithfulness. And so the word that comes to my mind within relationships, um, within marriage, obviously, is faithfulness. And not Amen. only faithfulness just physically, but faithfulness in thought, faithfulness in attitude, Amen. faithfulness in behavior. And so um, when in my marriage to my wife, am I faithful to her, not only just physically and intimately, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not cheating on her, but am I faithful to her um, outside of our home? Am I faithful to her in my thought life? Am I faithful to her um, even in my attitude around other women? Because God's relationship with us is a relationship built on faithfulness. Mm-hmm. And so relationship therefore um, in marriage should be a relationship built on faithfulness in in every aspect of our lives mm-hmm. um, our thoughts with our speech um, and with our actions so um, be faithful amen um, in your um, in all aspects of your attitude and your behavior um, and you're gonna think so- this even you're saying this picture me going back to England and I'm suddenly around girls I knew in school that I once courted or obviously dated back then. Because I had this connection with them then and you're older, am I going to go right back to that realm? No, something should be different. There should be a difference in the spirit of God that lives in me. And that is a witness. I remember going to China with a shoe company I was was working for and riding for. And while there, they were telling me how so many American men would go over there and just hook up with all the women. Like it was normal. Like it didn't even matter. And they would bring all these women. Listen, you would be eating in a nice restaurant and they would have women come in, stand before you. And it was so they would come sit with you, feed you food, give them drinks and all the rest of it. I don't drink, but I remember them having this thing and none of it seemed like crude or filthy. There was women with everyone. It was the whole company, but this would just be like an escort. And it wasn't so you can go be physical, but those options were there. It was crazy. And obviously I wanted no part of it. I was just eating the meal. I was there with the boss. I mean, this guy puts 30 million pairs of shoes into America a year. You know what I mean? But I remember going to Germany and the boss had his secretary wake me up and he couldn't even speak English and he was kicking me. And I woke up and she said, he wants to tell you you're different. You're different. He hasn't seen this, which was crazy because I didn't know anything was going on, but apparently there was. But for me, no, I don't want anyone to come help me serve my food. I'm good. Why would I do that? Even those little gestures are profound to people. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would think just to answer the question in short, is it possible for an unmarried person to flirt and still be God honoring? Yes. But I love what you said, but at the beginning, but is it a pattern? You know, is it a pattern? Are you flirtatious Mm -hmm. with anyone and everyone because of your own insecurity? Is it an attention seeker? What are you getting out of it? What are you getting out of it? Because the fact of the matter is 
when you choose one person for life, that pattern of flirtatiousness that you had before marriage, now you're bringing that pattern into your marriage and um, it's not healthy. And so is it a pattern? Um, I'd say if it's a pattern to that, you're flirtatious, then you got to go to that with the Lord and you got to address that with him. And he's got to work that out of your heart because it shouldn't be a pattern. It's going to lead to unhealthy habits in your marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, obviously did, did you flirt with your wife before you were married? Sure. Yeah. If we were single guys, you're going to get to, if you came out here and you're getting to know someone to go, man, you guys would be a good match. And suddenly she wants to go get a coffee with you or go do whatever. I get it, but you are courting, but it's very different than when I'm around someone's wife that just suddenly starts saying things. That's like, where's she going with this? What's the goal? You know, it's, and it's, here's the thing guys is that's a part of culture nowadays. You're meant to just flirt with people. People are meant to do this, but it's very dangerous. Yeah. Kind of along these, um, along this conversation, Brian, I want to just sneak this question in because it kind of has to already do with what we're saying. Yeah. Um, someone, shouldn't you have a physical attraction to your spouse? So how do you keep a pure mind mm-hmm. and not think lust committing adultery in your heart before marriage? Um, I mean, song of songs, we talked about this on the stage. Um, she's having thoughts of kissing him. I'm sure their mind's racing. It's very different, I think, for me to want to think something crude about someone than to me be like, oh, wow. Like, if I just met my wife and we're hanging out, you're like, man, she's cute. She's this, she's this. Now, if I go sit on those thoughts and think those thoughts and really push, I'm fantasizing with thoughts in my head that aren't reality. (sighs) Bible says, think on things that are above. It says, "Um, take every thought captive. So I would just say, Lord, this isn't the time yet. Help me practice patience. And maybe get as godly as you can really quick and get it married the next weekend and then don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Uh, no, but I would just use it as you yeah. said, Pastor Austin. I would just say um, you are beginning to think about this person, but start to think on other things and they will go away. You will take the guy that says I'm addicted to pornography. Well, Jesus isn't going to break show up and break your fingers when you're typing in those words. He isn't going to set your laptop on fire. You have to do that. But yeah. here's the reality this is going to be the struggle. Men are attracted to women. You are falling in love with this woman. You're going to have these thoughts. We don't thrive in it. We don't sit on it. The Bible tells us to pluck out our eye and throw it away. And um, But if you're getting to know that person, you're like, Lord, um, I don't want to be thinking this right now. I want to honor her till she's mine. Well, here's why as well. I heard someone say years ago, well, you know, we are one. You guys aren't one till God makes you one. So she's his daughter first, your future bride possibly next. So honor her, even the Bible says, as a sister, honor the older women as your mother, honor the younger women as your sisters. So I don't want to go there and sound crazy, but I'm saying, yeah, look at her with purity because you want to look at every woman that way with purity. Now you've given her to me, Lord. She's mine. I'm his. Yep. Amen. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Hey, kind of along these same lines, just talking about relationships, sexuality and all this. Um, someone, someone asks, I'm at JMU, which is a, that's a, a college here in Virginia, James Madison yep. university. I'm at JMU. And this person says, you now have to listen to a seminar about sexuality where they encourage you to embrace your sexuality and self-pleasure. Mm. So how do you stand against that nowadays when things, when they're starting to teach all this stuff at schools? Yeah. Uh, and she says, you know, I had to go to the class for a grade. And mm-hmm. so just generally, 
you know, I, I minister to a community at young adults where, um, you know, they go to public universities and within the class setting, a lot of stuff is pushed to them regarding yeah. sexuality and just embracing sexuality, embracing your feelings. Hey, how do you mm. feel and make decisions based off of those feelings? Um, so what would you say, Brian, just in, in how do we as young adults um, just yeah. kind of that the norm in our public universities pushing just all this stuff about um, sexuality and just all the, the, just this liberal thought about embracing your sexuality and embracing mm-hmm. how you feel. If, even if it goes against your, your, your gender, your biological gender. Well, it goes back to Genesis, you know, the serpent asked, did God say, you want to know, first of all, do you know what the word of God says and what does the word of God say? Because what I'm hearing is follow your own heart, your own emotions, your own feelings, which is exactly right. What you said, liberal Christianity has lost the conviction of the Lord through his word and conviction of the Holy Spirit, because there was a lady a few weeks ago who went before like a a board of a school or someone that was writing the curriculum. And she's like, I want to talk to you about, you know, masturbation and anal sex and this, 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 this. And they were like, Whoa, stop using those words. I'm paraphrasing. And she said, these are the words that are in your literature. These are the words you're trying to give to my five and six year old kid. So if my five-year-old kid is hearing words like anal sex and all kinds of things. What are they going to begin to think about when, you know, back in the day they were thinking about power rangers and thundercats. Now they're thinking of it before puberty, they're going to have an appetite. And so basically um, I would say um, honor God in all of it, do what you can, but look at how the world is attacking men and women in the system. My pastor on Father's Day didn't even realize he was saying it, it was awesome. He just came up and said, you know, on Mother's Day, it's really easy to affirm the moms because we celebrate them. Women are awesome. Everyone's good. And with the men, we're just like, suck it up and get on with it. Good job. If you look at culture, tearing down men is so normal. So many men commit suicide. Their wife runs off or their kids don't care or their job sucks and they work their guts out. Those men take their own lives because life's falling apart. But women are taught to be strong and bold and all these things. And I get it. They should both be taught this. But what the world is teaching right now, and I'll say it like this. If you look at the Star Wars trend that came in, the whole idea was make a woman the central character, Ray, And they went to all these people like Star Wars and said, you need to accept this. And it was Star Wars never about that. We loved mm-hmm. Princess Leia. It was totally fine. Everyone's fine with Mary Poppins. You see the new He-Man coming in right now. And they're trying to switch it, apparently, possibly from He-Man to Ertila or whichever one she is. And so why is culture telling women to cut their hair short or be macho or be just like men? If it's toxic masculinity, that's a problem. Why are you pushing women to be that way? Why do we want female bodybuilders who, who, who are men, actually? Yeah. What is the goal? And what you're doing is you're not really celebrating women. You're attacking what a woman is. Because what about the wife, whether she's Christian or not, who's like, I just want to raise my kids, take care of the house, support my husband. Is that wrong? What about the girl that's a bodybuilder that doesn't have testicles, can't get testicular cancer, can't have all the rest of it happen? I mean, we've just attacked this generation. So to answer the question, I'm kind of going there, but I'd say, what does the Bible say? How do you embrace your sexuality and self-pleasure under the covering of the gospel and what Jesus Christ teaches? As this is being taught in schools, stand on the truth, 
be loving, but reject what is not of God. And here's the hard thing. We are going to have a generation now who is really going to have to know how to minister to people who are confused. I mean, I know people who purposely put their son in dance class and dress them like a girl to push them towards that because they feel this conviction. I mean, how crazy is that going to be? You know, or you can go be whatever you want and you're going to have all these experiences, but really you're like, I never really wanted to go there. My parents just pushed it. Um, This is the world we live in. They're pushing women to be overly masculine, men to be overly feminine. Um, I say this to those who might be challenged by this because God made us male and female in his image. And I get it. David danced and poetry and the rest is not the point. But when you are trying to redefine what is normal, and I mean by that, biological at 14 15 your body changes i say this all the time i can get a woman pregnant or don't even call her a woman don't even call me a man i can get someone pregnant the person that gets pregnant can never get anyone else pregnant scientifically those two are different if you're trying to make them the same they're not i'm going to grow hair faster my knuckles are probably going to be bigger going to hit harder i'm probably going to have more strength it's going to vary i get it but genetically scientifically there is a difference you can think whatever you want to think but that is how god made us and he called a male and female ish and isha propaganda yeah. yeah i mean it's it's getting it's getting um you know our our faith is being tested nowadays um it's you know it's it's exciting in a way because it's like hey it's it's challenging for me to really just be in the word to know what the word says to be praying for discernment that's huge um, yeah you know, in um, I think it's first or second Peter. Peter says that. Um, uh, well, maybe maybe it's Paul. You can correct me, Brian. But um, at the end times, people are going to be um, lovers of pleasure, um, mm-hmm. lovers of self, and that's what you're seeing now. Mm-hmm. Um, people are obsessed with self, and people are obsessed with pleasure. Mm-hmm. And um, and again, it's not you know, it's not pleasure is not wrong in and of itself. Mm-hmm. But and when we seek pleasure. Um, that's contradictory to what scripture says, Hey, be, be pleased with these things. Um, and, and pleasure is, is healthy within appropriate boundaries and Hey, enjoy, um, God created sex. Sex is a gift from God, but it was created for specific boundaries between one man, one woman in a covenant relationship of marriage. So, and and sin is still fun for a season. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Sin is fun for a season. So, so um, use discernment and um, get in the word and understand God's instruction. So many people think that God gave the Ten Commandments and God was a God of mm. rules in the Old Testament just to kill our fun. But God created life. He created Amen. sex. And so he created these things as gifts. But he says, hey, I want to give you now boundaries so that you Amen. can flourish in these things. Um, you know, I think of it as a, a swimming pool and mm-hmm. a fence. You know, a, a pool is fun swim in the pool, enjoy it. <laughs> but the reason that there's a fence is so that my, my two-year-old uh, can't get in the pool because yep. uh, she, needs, she needs the boundaries and the borders so that yeah. um, she doesn't cross the fence. So God has given us a lot of good things, but he places a fence and he says, "Here, here's how it's appropriate mm-hmm. to enjoy what I've given you. Um, but people Amen. nowadays, lovers of pleasure, lovers of self, and it's idolatry. And it's only going to be in opposition of God. 
you've got to realize Christians don't go around attacking people who are confused about who they are, what they are, sexual preference. Generally, people are offended by what the Bible says, and they go after Christians. Any of these Christians with signs that are saying horrific things against anyone, I don't think it's right. We're called to judge the church, not the world. I'm called to, if you show up here today suddenly drunk and looking tipsy-eyed, I'm like, we're not going to do a podcast. Like, what's going on, man? Have we got to talk? But if you're just like some Joe Smo on the street who's living his life, I'm not called to go over there and just like, you're living this. I'm going to go help people. I'm going to go preach to people. I'm going to go proclaim the word of God. We're not going to shy back. But there's a going to minister to them so they become born again and they hear. So Yeah, God's God's kindness draws us to repentance. That is Um, huge. People leave the last part out. His goodness, oh, we should be good, leads us to the important thing, repentance. So right. we all yeah. must be born again. Yeah. Yeah. The li- liberal Christianity says, be kind um, to affirm. Yeah. And you know, the scripture says, be kind to draw them towards repentance. Yep. Um, but there's, you know, there's a, a fine line leading with grace, but not neglecting the truth because the truth is what sets people free. So if Amen. you truly love people, then you have to insert truth but insert truth with kindness, with grace, with love. Um, so all of these, all of this to say, you know, how do you stand against the mainstream liberal mm-hmm. ideologies that are in our schools and classrooms? Yeah. Um, and on the word of God, like you said, um, reject anything that's not of God, stand on the truth, but love people and be kind and just pray that the Holy Spirit will work through your um, your example and your witness, and will work through your your love and kindness. To speak people. your mind, speak scripture, but don't shout yeah. everyone over it, get crazy yet. But yes, yeah, stand and say, "Here's what God says." How many times have people gone to abortion clinics and they've stood outside with scriptures, with verses, and they've shared? And women have come up and said, "Hey, we want to ask, what does the Bible say?" And upon hearing these teachings. They've come to faith or they've had a change of heart. The word goes yeah. out, never returns void. But in your stance, be loving. You've got to realize you are in the light. People are in the darkness. They don't know yet. That's what opens their eyes. So, yeah. Hey, kind of along this line of talking about universities and what's being talked about in the classrooms. But um, this person asks, my university is very much into the whole social justice movement. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my religious group on campus. So how can I take a biblical stance on these topics without getting too woke? Yeah. Well, Jesus did go through the byways and the highways and he proclaimed truth and love, but it was to love all people. And he did it in a time where the Jews were actually looked down upon, treated like crap, you could say, and would have been persecuted in a sense and looked at as a joke to many. And he didn't have them to go hate on everyone, to go do whatever, to go take everyone by the throat. He proclaimed the truth. He drew attention to what was relevant. I'm looking in a world right now where as a white guy, I don't even know friends that are racist. Like I don't. I know there's racism. I see it. I can go to Costa Rica and people shout gringo, treat you different because of whatever. I get it. You can go into different parts of the world and you see it. Sin nature is real. But the extent that the church is becoming woke overly obsessed with the gay community um, and we should love the gay community. Amen. I'm going to love everyone and proclaim the word of God. And we should be loving all people. People's lives should be better because we as Christians are in it. But this wokeness, this idea, the rest of it, 
it's getting dangerous because we want to be so like the world that we leave God out. And if you go into a church, it just looks like the world and you never really hear about God. You never stand out. There's nothing different and praying and serving and sacrificial living and thriving in the word of God. I mean, the apostle Paul said, I'm not guilty of your blood because I did not fail to present to you the whole counsel of God. A lot of woke churches don't even present the gospel anymore. They don't talk about repentance. They'll talk about sin. And what you just said a minute ago, Pastor Austin, the goodness of the Lord leads you to repentance. John preached repentance. Jesus preached repentance. Peter, Paul preached repentance. If I hang out with my 15 gay lesbian friends, like, oh, I just love you guys. I can love them all day. But if they don't know John 3.18, we're all currently dead in sin and we can never define what sin is. We can never talk about it. We have taken on this new kingdom idea that treats us as though we're just Israel wandering in the wilderness and we're not anymore. God has called us to go. We are to go as two and knock on doors in a sense to go. The 70 was sent out, the 72. There's a time where you share. How can he say you be hated for my namesake? If there was never anything offensive, we're not going to be offensive, but you can only be hated for his namesake because of what you're preaching. You can only dust your feet off because they're rejecting it. So open up the Bible, listen to Vody Bakum and black gentleman does jujitsu. Amazing. Yeah. Can really preach on this stuff. Really. am. just, someone just got me a book by him, but just, just the woke thing is so dangerous because I get it every day. I'll post a verse about sinning. Wages of sin is death. There'll be 16 paragraphs of what sin really is. I'm like, why didn't Jesus just say all that stuff you said, though? Because 2,000 years ago, they understood the Hebrews. They understood sin. They understood sacrifice. They understood atonement. They understood what he was coming to do, this Messiah. They didn't get it fully, but when he showed up and has he addressed who he was, the early church understood this is the Lamb of God. Why did he die? Because he loves you. That's part of the message. He loved yeah. you so much to tell you of your state, to be redeemed, to be birthed into the kingdom. So yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. And man, I would say, um, you know, social justice is different than true biblical justice. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would point point the listeners uh, to the man, Vody Bauckham, for some good lectures <laughs> and uh, good messages on all this stuff. Very good uh, stuff. Yeah. Hey, interesting question here that someone asks, how do we respond to um, mainstream celebrities, mm-hmm. maybe not respond to, but this, the person asking, uh, you know, how do we, um, how do we respond to mainstream celebrities claiming to be Christians and even singing at churches? And I'm going to throw out the name. They, th- they throw out the name, Justin Bieber. Mm-hmm. How do you respond to mainstream celebrities claiming to be Christians, but they're still cursing, using language, displaying things of the world in their music and in their daily life? The hard thing is is this, um, does cursing, does smoking, does drinking not make you a believer? Um, then does getting mad at a traffic light, you know, does punching your fist on something, what level do we go? But I don't want to drink. I just don't. The Bible doesn't say I can't. I just know dangerous it is. I wouldn't want to smoke. I don't want to depend upon anything. Let's use someone like Kanye West. I look at Kanye West and I go, I think the Lord got a hold of him. He woke up. He has faith. I think he really believes. I don't think there's an agenda. I think from what I've heard, does he struggle with bipolar or something like that? I don't know. But I believe the Lord got a hold of him. Someone like Justin Bieber, I've known for years. If you watch that, um, 
documentary on his life. We watched it one time with my son as a joke, like someone got it for him as a joke. And you know, I'm Justin's rad. I mean, guys, talented, gifted. I know he skates down here with my buddies at Niger's all the time. He used to go to the, the church in Fort Lauderdale with my buddy Yuli and skate there all the time. They knew him. He would sit in the Bible studies. I mean, genuine skating was everywhere. You pick up a guitar and start singing. You're like, okay, that's a gift from God. But I remember hearing someone say there was a prophecy in the church that he was part of. And he would play the drums. If you ever seen the, the documentary, he plays the drums with the worship band in the garage and they're all tripping out. He's just talented. And there was a prophecy. There's going to be a young man that comes out of that church. Who's going to reach the world for Jesus. And now what happens is I've been around a lot of these celebrities for years within the skate culture. And now even the Christian bubble. And we say, I'm going to go be an actor whether it's a passion, whether it's fame, whether it's millions of dollars, whether it's that I'm going to use this big platform to reach the world, and we put that kingdom in front of God's kingdom. So if I need to go and take off clothes or cuss like this or be doing this on the scene or do all this stuff in the name of art, does God want me doing that and presenting something that isn't godly so I can put more money in my bank account, build a bigger platform, or have these things the world is selling me? He doesn't. I'm not saying don't go and be an actor, don't go and be a musician, but what happens is somewhere in a decision, this is Christian artists, this is Christian actors, actresses, they make a decision, is everything I do on screen and off screen the same or different? Am I willing to go and act a role where I'll do all kinds of heinous things, even blaspheme God, be crazy because it's acting, because I don't think that's good. Likewise, I'll tell you this. I know friends who are really good friends, family members of Justin Bieber. And they last time I told I saw them, they told me the pastors that are around them, they just want to be at the basketball games. They just want to be at all the shows, have the tickets. They want to go there. They're not really sitting down behind closed doors and saying yeah. the things that need to be said. So we can look at Hollywood this way, but a lot of the church is this way. A lot of people can be this way. You know, you're around a lot of Christians. I'm not a lot of Christians. It's deeper, but when you get further out in these circles and you show up and you're the center, it's like Bruce Lee used to say, the danger of being a star is no one confronts you. Yeah. If I was Justin Bieber's pastor, I would be able to say to him, come down to my house, my little three bedroom house in Huntington today and let's hang out. And I would ask yeah. him questions that a shepherd should ask. Yeah. How are you doing with this? How are you doing with that? What's going on with this? Hey, Austin, can you go hang out with Justin and you know Haley for a week? Yeah. Sure. If, if someone's got that big of a scale of influence, you can hang out with them, and that's going to have that much influence on so many people, pastor them, but ask those questions, challenge, walk in love, be there for them. This will benefit your marriage. This will benefit your life. But as far as the Christian celebrities and all the rest, I don't know that necessarily people are in the word. I don't know that they're accountable. I don't know that once a platform's so big, they're really submitting themselves. Like, I need elders. I need pastors. I need people like you. I need Christian culture. That's why we have the church. The further out you get from being in the church, serving the church to reach the world, this is what happens. So Hollywood, yeah. I mean, it's pretty much a cult. It is a cult. You know, it's 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 controlling media, music, all the rest. It's dangerous. Um but this is everywhere. I'm just saying, I think it's a lot of hokey pokey. And I mean, I think it would be hard. Look at guys like Jim Caviezel who played Jesus in the passion of the Christ. He's very serious about his faith. It seems like Mark Wahlberg's getting more serious. I think it's more Catholic. Right. Sadly, we will look at these people and if they say God bless and anything, we're like, Oh my gosh, they're Christian. 
Yeah, it just right. means they're talking to some gog or some whatever. Um, right. And also they've got to give away millions of dollars because it's a write-off a year. So whether it's Bono or people just doing it, they have to do that. The difference yeah. is, are they going to stand up for him and how's it going to affect their career? And are they trusting that maybe the Lord doesn't need them making millions and having whatever they want because then they're the center of their lives. I mean, if someone yeah. can do a check for $5 million, I better know what I'm doing with that for the Lord. I'm going to go sit with a bunch of elders, a lot of pastors and say, here's the five-year plan to use this. Because if not, how dangerous is that if we're not submitted? Yeah. So no, yeah. I mean, just, you know, specifically talking about Justin here, just praying for Justin that, as you mentioned, that God would honestly bring the right people around amen. him, that, that the Lord would surround him and Haley with, with people who, um, could speak into his life, could love on him, but could speak truth into his life to disciple him. You know, I think of that That's verse where it. Peter said, I want to give you meat, but you, you're you not ready for that. And you're still, you, you still you're still can the only, you're on the milk. And I feel like Justin's one of the guys, you know, um, I've, I've watched some different stuff where he seems like he knows the gospel and praying that he really has received it. But um, praying that the Lord surrounds him with people who could feed him spiritually. I think he's important. starting to get fed though. I have heard that lately the people who are around, I mean, I know Haley's mom, you know, and dad, Stephen Baldwin. I mean, I spoke yeah. at a conference six months ago, Calvary Chapel. They were there. They're the first people in the altar worshiping. They're just obsessed with Jesus, but you've got to let your kids live. However, and I, it looks to me like Justin and his wife have aimed to honor God now, am I going to hear an, an actor saying something? There's guys who work in church and construction, and because they're around 15 guys that week and they're cussing and saying this and this, they'll right. say things like, why am I saying this? Yeah. It's just the way it is. You know, it's kind of like, well, when people go to church, they're the nicest they've ever been. Well, of course, everyone's happy. There's coffee, donuts, you're worshiping God. They're excited. Then they get home and the, the gardener's fighting with them or the neighbor ran over the cat or their boss. I go, I get it. I'm not making excuses but I'm yeah. saying it has an influence. So yeah. if my son was going to be an actor, I'd be like, who you plugged in with and what church are you going to get planted in? Who's your pastor? And what's the ministry God's called you to? Because if this is his platform, give it to him and make music, sing about love life, do whatever you want to do, but use it to point to Jesus. It's the great commission. So we love you, Justin. <laughs> yeah, Justin, I want to, I want to hang out with you, man. Cool dude. Um, why though? You want to get on that jet ski and play some hoops? <laughs> all right, all right, you caught me. <laughs> Got to keep your shorts tied high. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, Brian. A couple of questions. I want to ask you a couple of questions here about evangelism. Yep. What are some practical ways you evangelize to others in your everyday life? Here's what you've got to get. Okay, I am an evangelist, but we all evangelize. What that means is I'm generally always doing the work of evangelism to some degree that's normally more than most general people in the church, meaning most of the questions I've answered on here will always go back to the cross, the sacrifice, the blood, Jesus serving, go. I just said it a minute ago with Justin Bieber four or five times in this podcast. That's the way we're programmed. But your working where you work means you are operating evangelistically there. So the same way you'd say, I watched the angels play this week, or I watched this movie this week. 
Talk about church. Talk about your life. Talk about your victories. Talk about your struggles. Just engage people. The Apostle Paul would have been making tents, talking to people, and talking about Jesus. Yes, I'm in full-time ministry. So is Pastor Austin, but so is every Christian. So I would just say... The same way you bring up food, the same way you bring up what you did, flavor everything with grace, have Bible verses ready, be sure to stand on the gospel. I mean, listen, they say the number one reason people go to church is because they're invited. Crazy, huh? And the number one time to evangelize someone is when you are eating with them after church and you've got them preaching. And they're like, oh, what did you think about Brian's message? What do you think about Austin's message? There it is. But I would say... You have the spirit of God the same way I do and Austin does. Be who you are in your workplace. Honor your boss. Do the work as unto the Lord and be honorable, not you know gossiping, backbiting. Be a good example indeed, but then be willing to share. I mean, what, four guys came over to my house yesterday. This house is born um, made in the 70s. The roof's falling apart and getting some of the roof redone. Guy comes in talking about his life. His ears are all messed up because he does jujitsu. Never met him. Start talking to him. I ring up church and my pastor friend and whatever. I'm just flavoring it to see how he reacts, see what's going on. Hang out with him all day on and off. Hey, guys, if you want to use the restroom, hey, I'm going to be prepping some sermons. Hey, I'm doing a podcast. Just casually hanging out. And he tells me his wife has got, you know, melanoma or something crazy. And I ask him, you know, where are you in your faith? What's going on? And so he's like, oh yeah, we haven't been to church in a while. Da, 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 da. But that would have been an invite to me to go, hey, do you know the gospel? I talk that clear. People respond that clear. But today yeah. before they leave, when I get done with this, we're going to pray. And we're going to pray for his wife, for God to heal her, for the two guys who are with him. He's a white guy, two Mexican guys. I don't know what faith they are, but they're probably going to see and that's just normal. Oh, that's radical. It's not though, really, is it? That's the New Testament. Yeah. You just need to do what God says. And the amazing thing is because you're asking this about your work, pray, Lord, let me just be a light. And that one person who's the most arrogant, angry person could show up to you one day and go, you know what? I don't know why, but I just need to ask you this. I get that all the time. People who have barely met, can you pray for me? Hey, I need to reach out to you. Just put yourself out there, be the light. Yeah. And I feel like you, you've already touched on this and kind of answered it, but someone's asking, how do we serve God a hundred percent if our careers aren't in full-time ministry? Mm -hmm. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it to the Lord. I mean, like I'm saying, if I suddenly wasn't a pastor and I was going to go work at a gym or start a business or do whatever, the way I handle taxes, the way I interact with people, the way I treat the waiter, all those things are witnesses in the sense of my character but they yeah. all should be so that when I talk about my faith, it, it, it's, it's the evidence why. And think about it. I mean, if I'm really planted in church once or twice a week, if I'm really serving communities, if I'm really living out my call and in the Bible, listen to worship, aren't people going to notice? Or am I ashamed? Yeah. Or am I caught up in the world? So you, tell, you haven't got to be sister so-and-so running in there shouting repent to everyone, but just being in there and can you have a verse next to your screen or is there something you do? And not that it's intentional and cheesy, but just be you. I mean, do we love Jesus? You know, I'm talking about jujitsu because I love to do it. It's fun. My cat's sitting next to me here. Why? Because I love my cat. It's a likewise. It just should come out of us. So don't make it so tough that you think God's got to part the seas or he's not present. He's present in your humility, which you obviously are because you're asking for help. And fortunately, he's the helper and the comforter. So.
Yeah, I mean, the listeners have to keep in mind that that the person who wrote basically half of the New Testament was bivocational. Uh, mm-hmm. Paul, minister of the gospel, but he was a tent yep. maker. Yep. And so those who are like, oh, I can't, I don't, I can't affect the kingdom as much as Brian or as much as Austin. They're in ministry. Says, hey, Paul made he was a tent maker. Yep. And uh, and and he used his time as as God would ordain it to to you know. The question you have to ask is, what has God given me, Amen. and how can I steward that for His glory? As God puts you in a position at your work, at your office, at your secular job, okay, God's placed me here. Now, Lord, what mm. do you want me to do here for the gospel, for the kingdom? And it could just be like you're saying, Brian, just through everyday life and everyday interaction. Mm-hmm. As as you see those windows and as you find those doors of opportunity that the Lord Amen. gives you, take full advantage of it and see what the Lord does through the Holy Spirit. And allow the rest to him. So we we sometimes mistake busyness for productivity. Mm. And you know, sometimes I've been really busy, but I'm not productive whatsoever. But I yeah. feel like oh, I'm accomplishing a lot just because I'm busy. And that's not always the case. <laughs> well, think about your dad, okay? How yeah. much is your dad in the pulpit a week? Maybe four hours, right? Yeah. I mean, so he might be speaking to thousands of people, but that's how many hours he has now. Sure. He's in meetings and he may be doing some interviews or he's doing whatever, but he's not around people 20 to 40 hours a week who are unbelievers. Like whoever's asking the question is so at the dentist office, at the car wash, at the wherever, literally just, I've just said to people, how's your day today? Just saying that to someone in the supermarket, they literally said, that's the first time someone's asked me this. So apparently in their own world, right? whereas, yes, I might speak to, you know, this many thousand people that month, but how much of my time is on a podcast with Austin or how much of Austin's time is in the church office? That isn't, yes, he's doing ministry. Yes, we're serving each other. Yes, we're imparting to people and being encouraged, but we're not in the world all the time. You guys are. I mean, I'm out there, you know, I know we all do that, but- just ask the Lord to to have some guys on a podcast tell you to get out there and do it. So, yeah. amen. <laughs> so, a couple more questions, um, specifically about evangelism. Someone's asking about um, specifically evangelizing uh, to Catholics. How do we reach Catholics who believe they're saved yeah. but think they need to pay for their sins in purgatory? Bible says it's a point of man to die once, then judgment. You die then you stand before God and you're judged. So people are awaiting right now that day because as far as we are living in time, it hasn't happened yet, but God is outside of time. So he's already there. So it's appointed man, a woman to die once and then judgment. Um, And as far as the Catholic faith, the Bible says there's only one mediator, one mediator between man and God, Christ Jesus. So it's not Mary, not the Pope, not whoever. I'm a pastor. Austin's a pastor. We serve the Lord. Whether you view the fivefold ministry as for today or not, I get it. But here's the point is we need to point people to Jesus. Even Mary at the wedding in Cana said, do what the son tells you. So Mary wasn't divine. Yes, she was the mother of Jesus Christ, but she sinned like anyone else. She needs forgiveness. We all need forgiveness. There's no purgatory. And that the second we die, we're guilty or innocent if we're not in Christ. So right now we're innocent because we've been forgiven if we're in Christ. But if we die without Christ, we've died in our sin. We've died guilty. So, And this this question specifically, an unbeliever is asking this question. Hmm. Um, God loves us as a father. 
Yeah. They're asking you, since you're a father, would you send your children to hell if they don't obey you? Mm. I don't understand why God would create us to worship him and send mm. us to hell if we don't. So this person's an unbeliever? I'm assuming so, just mm. based off of the, the tone of the question. They're, yep. they're not totally, um, they don't totally understand or grasp why God sends people to hell if mm. God in scripture is referred to as a father. Well, think about if we're talking about the God of the Bible who claims he created us and loves us, what does God tell us? So let's start with God. He says this in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. So as a father, he is pursuing us. He pursued Adam once they fell. Where are you, Adam? He pursued Abraham. We see God pursues. So a father pursues his children. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. There's the evidence he loved us. He gave his greatest that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. God has made a way for all of us down here, suffocating, dying, dead, asking questions to hear what did God do? And he says in verse 17, which is kind of crazy. Look at, look at how gracious and merciful God is. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So he sent Jesus to tell us, oh, there's a current state you're in, but I am on a rescue mission to seek and save that which was lost. So here's the point. Here's why God sent his son because of verse 18 of John 3, 18. Whoever believes in him, Jesus is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the son of God. So God has sent Jesus, his children, if God created us all, but we're either sons of God or sons of the devil. The Bible teaches that. That's it. We're in a fallen state. We can become sons of God the second we believe in Jesus, the second we repent, or we cannot. If you were hearing this, if you were hearing his voice, the Bible says, don't harden your heart. And look at what he says in verse 19. This is the judgment. So God so loved the world. He sent his son. Why? Because we're already condemned and guilty. Now, who are you going to choose? What are you going to do? This is the judgment. The light has come into the world, but people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. The judgment is those God created do not want to follow God, do not want to follow the Father, do not want to come to know him. They hear it and they don't respond. Pharaoh heard God's voice and he didn't respond. And in not responding, the heart is hardened. For everyone whose wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light. So the idea is, biblically, as a dad, I want all my kids to follow Jesus. I want all my kids to follow God. I want all my kids to come to know him, but they might not. I pray they do. I hope they do. My daughter is 14. We're having those conversations. Yes, she's in church. Yes, she has a Bible with a name on it, but she might love the darkness. Yeah. What, what am I going to do? God couldn't make us robots. I'm not going to go into this idea of Calvinism and reform theology and the rest of it. You did not choose me. I chose you. All the Father gives you will come to me. I get that. Yeah. But the command in the Bible is always believe, receive, trust, enter. It's never wait. It's always come to me. God has always given you the opportunity. So for the guy saying this, God is not sending you to hell. You are rejecting the light. That's the yeah. way scripture presents it. God right. has said he loved the world. He sent his son to prove it. 
You're not coming. Yeah. And I get it. Your spiritual eyes have to be open. This is a work of the Holy Spirit, but everyone can come if they hear and respond or they yeah. never did. And whichever way some of people's theology right now is, Brian, this is a whole other <laughs> podcast. We could talk about Arminianism, Calvinism. That's how it is in scripture. Faith yeah. is never a work, but faith is something we are accountable for because God allows us to believe. So I would say, I hope my children respond, but as much as I love them, they have to follow God. They're not robots. They hear the good news and either they come to life or they don't. Yeah. I mean, the Bible is clear. Even Peter says he wants no one to perish. Mm -hmm. Even he says, the Bible says he does not delight when the wicked perish. Um, so clearly his heart is that people turn to him, Amen. but it's because he loves you that mm -hmm. he's also given you the freedom to either respond to his gift or reject mm -hmm. the gift of Jesus Christ. And so, I mean, the Bible is clear about his heart. He loves, he loves humanity. Mm -hmm. He wants no one to perish, but it's incumbent upon us. I mean, there's that healthy tension I see in scripture, Brian, mm -hmm. where, where God is sovereign, God's sovereignty, but man has responsibility. So God's in control. God is sovereign, but mm -hmm. he's also, because he loved us doesn't want us to be robots uh, he's given us freedom to reject or respond reject mm -hmm. or respond he wants all to respond to to the love that he's shown in his son elijah said choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve yeah. they made a choice and right. god opened your eyes jesus said to peter who do you say i am?" he said you're the messiah flesh and blood did not reveal this to you but my father in heaven god right. does the work yeah. If you are hearing his voice and you're going to respond, you are a son of God then, and you're going to go to heaven. That's it. So, yeah. Are you have time for a couple more questions? Yeah, of course. Here? All right. Let's, let's finish with three more questions. Mm -hmm. um, the first question is, how do you reconcile a psychiatric treatment for depression? How do you overcome your depression and your suicidal condition? So the hard thing is we are living in a fallen state. So if I get angry at myself or my wife or my kids or God, that's a part of the curse. Now, the level that those things go beyond, more people today say they're depressed, more say they have issues with this or that. Yes, it's our fallen state. Is it to the things we're getting shot into our bodies? Is it the food we're eating? Is it the curse just progressing? I don't know. But... We do see in scripture, and Luke was a physician, we do see yeah. Timothy taking wine for his stomach. So we do see this practice. We do see people using outside resources that God ordained. The danger is when you go there and you become addicted to these things or rely upon these things, that can become where you're trapped like any drug. I would say we need to believe God can deliver and release and set a person free. We need to believe what the scripture says. My wife struggles with anxiety and struggles with so much stuff like crazy. And it is a battle for her. Some people have gone so far. Yes, the Lord can do a miracle, but they need things that depend on a time, sadly, in this state. But I would say getting in the word, getting a right understanding of God. And I would say this, really living into what he has for you. I have friends that literally can't get out of a hotel room when they're trying to live for God. So they're believing a lie that's leading to depression, wrecking their marriage, wrecking their lives, rather than trusting the word. Mm -hmm. People who have caught things from when they were younger and very real things happened to them. So for one, 
I do think there's something that happens because if that isn't the case, how can people have Down syndrome? How can people's bodies be deformed? If it's physical, there's also yeah. spiritual things as well at times. Yeah. Um, depression could just be the way of depressing you and the way you view life. But I would say the way I work is I'm going to press through all things and trust all things and everything God has given me to do. I should be able to do it or he hasn't given it to me. And if that's the case, you should be able to live out everything God has for you regardless of what it is. And I think you will see victory. I think you will overcome or you will not trust certain things and you'll think you will, but you won't. You will put something in front of that fear, doubt, the enemy's voice or your own. So I say that with respect because there are chemical things. I get it, but don't want to be addicted to stuff. Don't want to believe the enemy's lies and don't want to talk yourself out of the call of God. So we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us pertaining to our call spiritually. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Hey, two final questions. This question has to do with finances and money. Hmm. Uh, and, you know, within our young adult demographic, a lot of yeah. questions about money, career, finances. <laughs> um, how yeah. can I be more confident in putting my trust into God when it comes to money and work hmm. when we live in a Society that revolves around it and me wanting to be financially stable and independent for myself and my future family. Mm. Um, so, I mean, this is a question, you know, that, uh, you know, a lot of people in our younger demographic are asking about, you yeah. know, our society really, you know, puts up the self-made and the financially successful. Mm-hmm. And is that wrong? You know, no, you know, people in scripture were, I mean, David, Solomon, Kings of Israel, Abraham, but um, how do I kind of trust the Lord? Where's where do you see that balance, Brian? Of yeah, trusting the Lord, um, not finding my security in finances, but also you know being financially independent, being able to take care of my family, all that stuff. Just about finances. You know, my old pastor used to say, "God isn't afraid for you to have things; He's afraid for things to have you." And wow, yeah. the sad thing is now is that everything is sold to you. If I was in a hyper-Pentecostal church in the middle of Texas, I probably wouldn't be living in a three-bedroom house at 1,700 square feet. I probably would have had someone in the church give me a car. I'd have vacation homes. I'd have all this stuff. If I was part of a televangelist family, that had just been raised that way. And the reality is that um, I feel the same way this gentleman or this woman is talking. I would love to be like, man, what skating did for me or all these things that happened. You know what? I have great retirement. And you know what? Don't tell them, Pastor Austin, but I have money for my kids. So when I pass, their lives are set, but I don't have that. So should I every day freak out about all those things? Or should I think, well, God has told us he will meet and supply every need. He provides exactly what I need, but the world is trying to tell me I need more. So who I marry, what I drive, what I want. Is it got to be higher end? Is it got to be the most stylized? got to be the most, I mean, most people just live above their means. That's why they have problems with money. Right. You just say, go to Walmart, go to Target. I mean, some people think it's blasphemy. I even just said that right now. It's got to be yeah. custom made, ordered, pottery barn, got to look like it's, it's a museum. And I get, well, this is just my style. Well, this is something you've seen from someone else. And yes, you like it, but it all adds up. I would say godliness with contentment is great gain. Are you content with whatever the Lord provides for you? Are you a good steward of the money he has? And yeah. second, I would, or third, I would say now, work hard, not for money, 
Because the Bible yeah. says those who desire to be rich fall into a trap. Work hard to honor God. And if he provides more and more money, read First Timothy 6 and use it for the kingdom. But here's the reality, the principle. The Bible said God provides for the birds every day. Amen. Yeah, but right. the birds don't just sit in the nest. The yeah. birds go out and they catch worms. They go and do something. The worker is worthy as wages. If a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. So I would never preach like this. I'm just saying all this while I'm, you know, sitting in my kitchen, the cash running around here. Yeah. But I would say this. God has told me that for six days of the week, I'm going to work hard by the sweat of my brow. I wrote some things today. We planned a few days ago. We're getting out, do this. I've got other stuff to go do tomorrow and the next day and however i choose to sabbath on the days i rest or whatever it is i am believing it as i am doing what i'm called to do by the lord or if i'm working at the bank or if i'm going to do this whatever my craft trade businesses that in doing that i will get a return and i'll trust god but as christians on this planet the way we should live is looking to god and here's the idea i'm preaching on psalm 23 soon mm. in a few weeks the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Is that because he's given me everything I want or because he's my shepherd? And then he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. And I'm sure for you sitting under a dad who's a preacher, if you go to Jerusalem, Israel, that land, there's not green pastures. It's not like the sound of music where you just run around grabbing all these things. What there is, is barren hillsides with tufts of green sprouts everywhere and things growing up. And yeah. so the shepherd leads them along these hillsides and they eat enough for that day and the dew in the morning and the dew in the night that sits there, they drink it, they eat of it, but it's up to the shepherd to lead them daily. Those sheep follow the shepherds in a faith walk. That's it. And in my life, guys, I'll tell you, here's my hard struggle. I'm 42. I don't have all these big retirement plans, finance guys in our church, like you should be doing this and doing this. I'm like, wow, I'm so busy with ministry. I raise support. I'm like, Lord, I'm 42. Am I just believing that you're going to just do whatever miraculous things in the next 20 years? So I'm going to have the same retirement as a guy that worked at the bank for 30 years with a retirement. I've got to start being smart about it, but am I going to go chase the world or say, Lord, I'm your workmanship. I'm going to do what you're called to do. And I'm going to fear no evil. Why? Because you were with me. Not because I'm not going to fear. It's because you are with me. And even in that verse, what does he say? Though you lead me through the valley of the shadow of death, that's not for a funeral. That's not about dying. That's while we're walking through things in this life. I will fear no evil for you are with me. So I'd say that to say, if you are drawn towards fast things, cars, all the rest of it, going so forth, put that in check. I'd say God wants you to work hard all the days of your life by the sweat of your brow, take your rest in him. And I would say that as he provides, be a good steward, but have faith, trust, and then look, be smart. I have guys that might be worth millions of dollars. I'm going to go do a mission trip. You know what? I'm going to call them and I'll tell you, most people I know with money don't really like to give it away. They've thought about money so much. It's become a God for them. They have a very hard time releasing it. But that skate kid who might hear this, who goes, I'm going to support 15 bucks a month. They've released it. They're the people that when God gives them millions one day, they're going to fund ministries. So I say all that to try and catch the feel of where I sit. Get up like the birds and work hard. Trust the Lord as your shepherd. Um, but here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with being the Christian version of the kind of money that Bill Gates or Donald Trump or someone would have. Um, but it's for the kingdom. 
You know what yeah. I mean? Like live in a in a healthy way, in a way that yeah. honors God. I have friends that that do have money that that man they give so much away and praise God for them. I, I just think that's amazing that they could do that. Yeah. You know, so because yeah. guys don't pray about buying you know a hundred and fifty thousand dollar boat, but supporting a mission trip where five grand sends twelve kids. I'm gonna pray about that. Yeah, yeah. I think something's wrong. Yeah, so, <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, Jesus. I think put it best when he said that one man can't serve two masters. And I've heard it said with money, uh, money makes a great servant, but a terrible master. Mm. So if, Amen. If money masters you. Um, that's a problem. Yeah. And so surrender it to the Lord and ask what the Lord wants to do with it. And, and, then, and make the point. It doesn't say concept God and Satan. It's God and money. Yeah. Because right. money can give you anything. And what three things did Jesus get offered by Satan. It was all things pertaining to this world yeah. that really God already owns anyway. Jesus already owns everything, but he doesn't need. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And then we'll end on this question here, but yeah. I think this is a question to close on. Yeah. So I think this person's asking just from, sounds like they're a believer, but maybe just have lost a passion for the things of the Lord. And so they ask, how do I rekindle the fire of living for the Lord? You know, I said this even to some friends the other day. People are always saying, I want to hear God, but they don't open the Bible. Or I want to feel his presence, but they don't get involved in any kind of worship. Um, I literally will get done either planning a sermon or prepping a sermon. I'll get on my bike and I will just play one song for like 30 minutes. And you know, you know, it's funny. I always listen to that song by, um, what's his name? Jeremy Riddle, Fall Afresh. And wherever people sit, you know, with whatever churches and ministries, I get it all nowadays. But that song just makes me think, Lord, I remember coming to faith. Remember hearing your voice. Remember when you made the word alive to me. It just makes me think about him. Listening to guys like him or Phil Wickham or this band, Family Band. Um, that is really, to me, just like powerful worship that makes me just be reminded of him. Yeah. Getting into all these things today, thinking about the Lord. So I would say to rekindle it, are you doing the things he says, getting into his word, making time for him? And also, here's the thing, and you know this, Pastor Austin, um, I'll go on a mission trip and I'll take 15 people. Their lives will be radically changed. You know why? Because they are focused on what God is doing for a week. Yeah, They're not focused on what they're doing while they have time to read or sit in a coffee shop or converse with some brothers and sisters. Those things are good, but God is already going somewhere. So how do you rekindle it? Read about him and sing about him and get involved in what he's doing. And one of the things I've loved, and I bring up jujitsu again, it's 25 minutes away to get there. So when I get up at seven in the morning and I just go, I might get in the car and be like, I'm just tired. I'm not doing anything right now. And I don't, and I'm just zoning out like, Lord, you know, I'm doing nothing, but I'm just abiding knowing you're good. Or I yeah. might put on a sermon by Michael Heiser, which is so crazy. How can I even think like that in the morning? Yeah. What I've been doing lately is just putting on YouTube and just book of Hebrews, King James version, for whatever reason, I like the way the guy says it. And I will yeah. just play that whole YouTube. And as I'm getting to jujitsu 25 minutes later, it's just encouraging. Oh, I forgot that verse was here. Oh, I forgot this. Oh, this guy's accent. Yeah. And I'm just thinking on the things of yeah. God. I mean, he tells us in Revelation. That's yeah. it. I mean, I'm sure when I came out there for the conference, you were all encouraged because you go, we put on this conference. Here's this guy we never heard. We heard his story and he was encouraged and whatever. And now we're like, so get around believers, stare yourself up or read Revelation 1, 2, 3. And as he writes to the churches, 
Get back to your first love. Repent of some yeah. things. Revelation 319, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. But just do practical things. Think about a, a fiance or someone you were staring up for marriage. You're going to spend time with them. So, right. and listen, sometimes I just get in the car and it's like, like I said, I don't do anything. Sometimes I want to talk to someone. Sometimes I want to sing, which is funny. I mean, I'll never make it to a podcast, but I'm just saying, <laughs> stay yourself up like anything. I heard a guy say one time, I don't even feel like a Christian till I've got enough coffee in me and read the Bible at 1030. But his point is, Lord, stare me up, wake me up, encourage me, you know, because we yeah. don't feel like it all the time. So amazing question. And also don't judge what you're doing off other people. How many yeah. people could go, oh man, Brian came to faith. Yeah. While I was divorced and suicidal, hating life, those yeah. who are forgiven much, love much. I feel like I find all these things for me to do. Same for you because you're in church. You're always going. You can still be missing God that it could be really easy for you and me to miss him because we're doing things like Martha rather than sitting his feet like Mary. But yeah. find your rhythm. If you're not reading, I don't know what you're thinking then. If you're not able to worship him, I don't know what you think you're doing then. Um, that's it. It's only it's only that close. God is faithful. He will invade your life through word, through worship. So yeah. Amen, man. Amen. Thank you so much again, just for being a yeah. resource uh, to, you know, my ministry here at the church with our young adult community. Um, and just thanks again for coming and being our speaker at the conference, man. Really appreciate you. <laughs> Look to you as a brother and as a mentor, man. Thank so you. thanks for me and uh, love you, man. Thanks for sitting with me for this time. Well, thank you for being on the podcast because I invited you. So I should have just said all that, but um, you too, love you too. But how do people check out your church, the ministry, you, your folks, everything that they're doing? What's the website? Yeah. yeah so we're Cornerstone Chapel. We're a Calvary Chapel affiliate here in the DC area. So you can check out cornerstonechapel.net. Um, we've got a YouTube channel. So if you want to uh, personally follow what our ministry with our young yeah. adults is doing, then just YouTube Cornerstone Chapel Young Adults. We put messages out each Tuesday because my service is Monday night. Mm. And uh, yeah, so Cornerstone Chapel, and um, that's how you can get in touch with us. And so, will you just pray for us though? And you know, would yeah. you particularly pray for um, young adults, college youth, people out there who are maybe getting woke or too progressive or even my daughter who's 14 was like, everyone talks about deconstructing their faith. I'm like, they got to start yeah. reconstructing their faith. But yeah, could you just pray for those and then adults even who can shape and speak into this next generation? We need some Pauls to rise up because rather than sitting back and pointing fingers, we got to go minister to them, you know? So, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. yeah. Uh, Lord, we just come before you now and um, we just pray for this upcoming generation for the youth and young adult generation specifically. And we just ask that you would do a fresh work in our hearts that you would mold us and shape us more into your image, not the image of the world that is attempting to shape them and mold them into the image of the world uh, by Satan's design. But we just pray Lord, that this generation would um, be filled with your Holy spirit, Lord, that you would give this generation of, believers discernment that we would get into your word lord that we would seek out the scriptures i think of the bereans in in the book of acts 
that search the scriptures to see if what Paul was saying was true. And I just pray that you would uh, make us Bereans, Lord, a generation of Bereans that would seek out the scriptures, that would be able to use spiritual discernment to just throw out the bad, throw out the nonsense, throw out just the um, liberalism and just progressive Christianity, and that we would just cling to your son, Jesus Christ, that we would cling and stand upon the word. Pray for anyone listening right now that is just questioning their faith and doubting. Mm. Would you reveal yourself to them in a special, powerful way, Lord? Would you minister to them by your Holy Spirit, Lord? Mm. Would you care for them and comfort them? Would you guard their hearts and minds? And would you just help them, Lord, to turn from sin and to turn to the cross, Lord. That's 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 my prayer for myself. That's my prayer for all who are listening, that you would help us by spirit, Lord, to turn from sin, to turn from the ways of the world, yes, and that we would turn to you, Lord, and seek you and obey you, Lord. Mm. Um, so we, we love you, Lord. I pray for this podcast. I pray, pray for Brian and his family. Mm. Would you um, continue to empower him and continue to give him the boldness that you've given him Uh, to spread the gospel to those he uh, sees and works with and is around just in daily life. Would you be with his wife and his family, his kids? Would you raise them in the spirit and power of the Lord that they would love you, that they would love righteousness, that they would love your word and that they would be a family that's just united together upon your word. So we just love you, Lord. Pray for this podcast. Use it uh, to whatever you, however you see fit, Lord. Use this this podcast for your glory. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And guys, remember, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved. It's the power of God. Hope you heard, you were encouraged. And guys, we are just two men navigating through life, holding on to the things of God, realizing how crazy it is but how good and faithful God is. So God bless you all. Thank you, brother. Amen. Love you, bro. Thank you.